Welcome to the San Diego Screenwriter Studio. I'm Gail Stewart, along with my co-host, Raul Sandlin. Hi, Raul. Hi, Gail. Happy Friday. Oh, my God. We are so happy. We are going deep into the sci-fi world today. Why? Because I did something dumb. I decided I'd dip my toe into the sci-fi writing waters and add a sci-fi genre to my portfolio. I think I regret this, Raul. So you decided to write about something you don't know about. I don't know. I broke the rule, you know. The rule is write what you know. But not only did I break the rule, I decided to go big. So I'm also making this sci-fi my first feature film. Well, a lot of genres require that, right? Because, you know, if you're going to write a Western, if you're going to write a period piece, if you're going to write a sci-fi piece, you've got to go into literally other worlds, which means going outside your comfort zone, doesn't it? That's, That's right. But... Never fear, because everything I learn on this journey, and let me tell you, I have been down the rabbit holes into the unknown. I'm passing along to our listeners, so there is a silver lining, right? Yeah. Oh, there always is. And <laughs> and it always comes back to Earth, doesn't it? Even, yeah. even the sci-fi pieces, they're often always about just our, you know, earthly aches and pains and worries and triumphs and agonies. So I'm going to take a look at the controlling ideas of the best sci-fi movies of all time including some of my favorites, but also I kind of specifically honing in on what year they're set in and where they're set, right? We were talking about imaginary locations last week. Now we're going to actually talk about uninhabited as of today, 2023, right? Yeah, I mean, sci-fi can take place anywhere, any place here on Earth in the microscopic or way out on another planet. It can take place in the past, in the future, in another right. dimension. Yep. So sort of play, space and time becomes an interesting question with sci-fi. And I've got you covered because I already did a lot of research on this. And Raul, you're going to give the goods on space battles, right? Uh, well, you said think sci-fi, do something sci-fi. So I've got some stuff about space battles. Space battles are much like any other scene where there's a confrontation. Right. And it's all about, and I'm going to talk about this, Daniel Orlett, I believe his name is, on the Space Doc uh, YouTube channel. which Space is all, Doc Shorts. Yeah, which is all free. But he talks about... It's about the tension that you create, and less is usually more. Yeah, it's about creating suspense and tension and interaction with a minimal number of, and I'll call them now, characters. Right. And I'll go into that in a little bit. Yeah. But the idea is to create the emotion, not just the, you know, shoot em up, bang em up explosions. Well, also, this is kind of funny because there's no sound in space, but... But Uh, in all the sci-fi, you hear all this explosion and stuff. Uh, Anyhow, it's crazy. So there's so many dichotomies. We're going to go into all that stuff, all coming up on KNSJ San Diego's only social justice network. So don't you go away. Welcome back to the San Diego Screenwriters Studio. I'm Gail Stewart, along with Raul Sandlin. So as you might have heard earlier, I am deep into trying to put together a treatment for my new sci-fi feature film. Wish me all the best of luck because I'm going to need it. The idea about it, without giving away too much, is what would happen if the bad guys take over space exploration, along with the more personal story of... What if you thought someone killed your father and you ended up targeting the brother, 
you never knew you had. So that's kind of the premise of my sci-fi. But the first thing I was told by an executive I pitched this idea to was keep your sci-fi grounded. So for me, it will be about, I'm going to channel Scott Myers, which is the, it's all about the character, the protagonist's journey. And so I've started working on my treatment to tell the story, nail down my characters, and I've got to know their backstory. And I got to tell you, I, t- I pitched this to my treatment. I have about three pages, four pages of treatment, world building, characters. And I pitched it to my uh, writers group. And they're like, uh, I don't know about what you're using to propel the spaceships. I don't know about that. I don't know about this. I think it should be fusion. It should be this. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, you know, odds are that the future space will be fusion powered. But we're a long way off. I think that the more that I go into and you'll hear about it, some of the real total classic sci-fis that we're going to go over today, the more I think about it is they don't sometimes they're very vague on the details of what's powering the ships, right? Yeah, I'm not sure you need to really worry. I know about that's minutia, is- but I get into the minutia. OK, so uh, it's really crazy. So anyhow, but let me tell you, one of the most wonderful resources, as we know, is the Internet. And so on the World Wide Web, I have always found great information. And I found the space talk by Daniel Orrett. And this is on YouTube, completely free, unbelievable resource. You looked, you looked, you checked him out, right? Yeah. In fact, I'm going to talk about one of his videos. Today. Yeah. Unbelievable. So this guy is a sci-fi encyclopedia. And when I canvassed his videos, you know, he basically talks about how to write a sci-fi and recommends recommends watching a few movies included in that was the wrath of Khan. And I watched that, which was a great one. It's an old star Trek, but it is really, really good. So more on the wrath coming up, but another really good free channel is called generation films. And that's also on YouTube. And these are a bunch of guys that pour through mistakes made in sci-fi movies and films. And they also discuss space combat. Um, he examines one of the videos, examines the expanse and explains the juicing that goes on uh, to, to allow for the high G force maneuvers. The blood can't pump during G force. So that's why some pilots, they pass out, but the pilots and uh, inject a juice into their veins to increase the blood flow. So the generation film guys, they also go over weapons that are used in space, the missiles, what are called rail guns. I mean, these guys go into detail. Now, when you create your own world and your own space world don't you create all your own guns and stuff because it's a different world than they just created well that's true but you'll see some consistencies in the films like the rail guns show up on you know and missiles for sure you know and the and the shield for sure shows up in several well we have to understand what's happening so we have to sort of be able to relate it back to an earthly battle of some kind absolutely so thinking about my grounded sci-fi um i had to determine what year my sci-fi is going to take place and i'm grabbing at straws and i landed on the year 2053 for no particular reason other than i had it at 2253 and the producer was like no 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 bring it back bring it back home well with 2053 you can have references to today since it's only what 30 30, years 30 years yeah Yeah, 30 years now for time location ships i looked at several movies the cowboy uh, cowboy bebop the expanse star trek mars blade runner total recall you know how are these guys getting around and what bohemists are they using to get into space 
And exactly where in space is my location? Our solar system, is it deep space or or it's endless, people? It is endless. So starting with Cowboy Bebop, the TV series that was released in 2021. So the year they're cruising around is 2071. The name of the ship, an interplanetary uh, fishing trawler, is called the Bebop. And the controlling idea of this is a ragtag crew chase criminals across the solar system, that's the location, for the right price. So despite being a sci-fi show set in space, it's been praised for its grounded, realistic portrayal with space-based travel still limited to the solar system and hyperspace tech that doesn't seem too far off and doesn't seem to go faster than light. So I love this. I love the ships in it. A couple of them are really fast and cool. The Behemoth is great, but it's wonderful. It's a, it was a great TV series. It's nice, too, because you get to play with all this technology. Right? <laughs> you kind of get to engineer all these different inventions that you don't actually have to build. Right. Okay, so in The Expanse, i got to move through this stuff. In The Expanse, it's hundreds of years in the future where mankind has colonized the solar system, establishing settlements on Moon, Mars, and the asteroid belt, and Jupiter. I love that uh, as well. The controlling idea is that technology changes everything, and it also changes nothing if the experts exploitation logics remain in place. So this was uh, great. Uh, and uh, Risonante is the ship. Fantastic battle scene in that uh, series. Uh, extra special because of the intense tension. Again, we go back to that and why that makes it the battles uh, so interesting. Mars, the television series, this is set in 20. 20- 33, a crew of six astronauts launched from Florida on a journey to be the first settlers to set foot on Mars. The controlling idea here uh, explores the idea that human habitation of Mars is not only possible, but necessary for the future of humanity. I like this one because they they interweaved some actual uh, current interviews, right? It was part documentary and part fictional. I like that when there's some kind of reference to today and it the was here great. and now. It yeah. was, that was a great great series. Okay, now Star Trek, let's talk about just the classic Star Trek, the engines of the most famous vessel and the universe, the USS Enterprise are powered by, check this out, by the annihilation of matter and antimatter, a process that produces energy in the form of gamma rays. Is it fusion? I don't know. I don't know. The show is set in the mid 22nd century through the 25th century with Star Trek Picard. Star Trek's universe is our Milky Way. Okay, I love Star Trek. The controlling idea of Star Trek, also known as the non-interference directive, meaning you can't like change change stuff, right? So that's really, really cool. Uh, all captains are supposed to take this very seriously. As Kirk says in the original series, a starship's captain, most solemn oath is that he will give his life and even his entire crew rather than violate the prime directive. Now we come to Star Trek Uh, The Wrath of Khan, released in 1982, and this is set in the year 2285, the ship, the Reliant, a training ship with training crew on board, and the controlling idea uh, revolves around death, resurrection, growing old, and friendship, of course, and the scene between Kirk and Spock is 
magnificent. Also, the script was actually written by the director, Nicholas Meyer, who goes uncredited, I might add, which was just amazing. There was a lot of rewrites on that. He wrote that in 12 days, by the way. And The Wrath is said to be the best of what Star Trek fans loved, action, suspense, emotion, and humor. Now, if that's all not enough, okay, (laughs) there's other minutia when you take on a sci-fi, like what powers all of these ships and what will, what will power my ship? What kind of ship is it going to be? We're going to get some of that information from you, Raul, right on the battle. Uh, absolutely. Right. And I'm leaning toward a, like a lightweight metal. I don't know. But all of this goes to, you know, how far off is fusion. And even last year, they did have kind of a interesting thing. They achieved a milestone uh, at the uh, Liv- Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory, the National Ignition Facility. It's called NIF. What did they do? They made history by successfully producing a nuclear fusion reaction, resulting in a net energy gain, a breakthrough held by U.S. officials as a landmark achievement and a milestone for the future of clean energy. I don't know what the heck that means. (laughs) Well, one of the things is logistics here. If you're going to pilot a spaceship across the universe, you need fuel, right? You need oxygen. You gotta have something. You gotta have water. You've gotta have something to eat along the way. So there's always the logistics. Where is that? Where is that going to come? Mm -hmm. And I can see if that's one of the stories in your script, you know, where are we going to find food? Where's the next, you know, food, gas and lodging kind of thing. Then those are important. Yeah. It's almost kind of like, but where do they, they re up on that stuff? You never see them re up on stuff. I don't, I don't recall them re-upping for their fuel. Well, the thing is, is it a problem? Are you going to run out of fuel halfway across the universe? Point is here, I, like you said, you don't want to jump too much into the minutiae. Well, in the expanse, I do remember this because I'm a coffee lover, but coffee was a really big deal, like good coffee on board uh, the, the ship because they, they just didn't have it, right? So well, that was one thing. Well, here's one. You had said your, your uh, script's going to take place in 2053, just yeah. 30 years into the future. Yeah. Well, I think the climate's going to be a lot different on Earth 30 years in the I do, future. I think so, too. We believe it's going to change. Yeah, it's already changing. And not so. for the better. Right. But now this is what happens. So when you want to write a sci-fi, you start hanging around YouTube space sites and reading threads. Okay. And uh, it's this place. Space exploration will initially everybody kind of seems to think Elon Musk, SpaceX uh, company by 2024 or 25. That's like in two years will be the first ones to actually do it. And they say because um, SpaceX holds a NASA $2.9 billion lunar landing contract schedule for the 2024-25. The contract calls for a SpaceX Starship designed and intended for Mars. And of course, we go back to the fusion power. It's unnecessary as it's way too large, bulky, overpowered, expensive, blah, blah, blah. They're banking on what's called small modular reactors are ideal for uh, for Mars colonization. So in real life and in real times, currently the SpaceX Starship consists of the first stage super heavy booster and the second stage spacecraft also named Starship. Both stages powered by Raptor rocket engines, which burn liquid oxygen and liquid methane propellants in a full flow staged combustion power cycle just saying that's what they're doing okay (laughs) it's deep man it's so deep probably much more information than you ever wanted to know but hey that's screenwriting if you're gonna go you might as well go big so 
You're listening to the San Diego Screenwriter Studio on KNSJ, San Diego's only social justice network. We're back in the studio. Gail Stewart here with Raul Sandlin, and we are talking sci-fi. Oh, my God. You know, they say, write what you know, but I took a left turn. I left class on that one. (laughs) You blasted off in your spaceship. And I got to tell you, when you do switch genres and you don't know too much about this new genre, like me, I don't know about sci-fi, I'm learning a lot that I can pass along to our listeners, but also expand my knowledge base as a writer. Yeah, and you can bring sci-fi back home because even though we may not be traveling to different universes, um, we are using new technologies. We're starting to transport and travel in different ways. Absolutely. You know, there's news stories of new rockets and satellites and things going into outer space every day. So space exploration is is a big part of our it's lives. It's an exciting time right now with space exploration. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. it's happening. Well, don't get me started. There's the James <laughs> Webb Telescope, the JWT. Yeah. Oh, my God, oh, the yeah. view into the, it's into the infinite. Yeah, infinite, they're, right? they're looking back, you know, basically 13 billion, billion years. Billion years, yeah. yeah. So sci-fi kind of inhabits our science fictional lives we live in. But there are some guys, guys and girls out there that know this stuff inside and out. And that's Daniel Orlett, right? I, I guess there's two different ways of looking at sci-fi. One is it's very technical and you discuss things like, you know, what kind of fuel does your rocket ship run on? Mm-hmm. You know, what kind of armaments do people use in the, you know, 300 years in the future? In space battles, yeah. right? And what are they shooting at each other, which I'm going to talk about yeah. in a little bit here. Yeah. But on the other hand, these are just human dramas. These are people sitting in a space, you know, living out their lives. Yeah, keeping it real. And I took your cue and I went to Daniel's uh, uh, YouTube channel, the Space Doc channel. And Daniel talks about setting up or staging or writing a space battle. Yeah, Daniel Orrit, right? Daniel Mm -hmm. Orrit, Mm -hmm. yeah. And he gives a number of different examples he'd like you to look at to to prove his point. And I know, Gail, you mentioned a number of movies. Uh, He mentioned Wrath of Khan, the Star Trek uh, franchise, uh, Battlestar Galactica. But then he also mentioned some not-so-sci-fi movies like uh, Hunt for Red October. Yes, he did. Yeah, that's like a spy thriller. Yeah, it's a spy thriller and at the at best it's a military action film, mm-hmm. I guess, but it's not a spy fi. Um, sci-fi. Or it's, sci-fi. Spy-fi. You said spy, I said fi. So, anyway, it's it's a there's a new genre, spy-fi, a sci-fi and a spy thriller. Yeah. Anyway, he also mentions Masters and Commanders. When I heard him say that, I was like that's interesting because i saw that one okay i did too Mm -hmm. and these are great battle scenes they just don't take place in space they take place on the oceans or Mm -hmm. under the the oceans and again it proves this point that even though we may go you know millions of years into the future millions of miles away these are the same kind of tensions and battles it's the protagonist's journey it's the hero's journey Mm -hmm. and he's fighting or 
she's fighting against something and it doesn't matter where you are. Right. That's the heart of every genre. And that's one of the points he wants to make because he wants to get everybody away from just doing these big intergalactic shoot 'em ups where all you have are laser beams flying around for five minutes, but nothing really happens. Right. Yeah. And and the idea is the same that whether they take place a million miles away or right here in your living room, the action is the same. Mm -hmm. And his tips, you know, are the same tips he would give you for setting up a scene at a doctor's office. Or a mafia hit or Or, whatever. Yeah, gun battle. Yeah, setting setting up a confrontation at a restaurant, the, Mm -hmm. you know, end scene of the Sopranos. Mm -hmm. So these might be rocket ships shooting at each other in outer space, but it's the same thing is any kind of confrontation on a city street or a familiar location. So here are his tips. First, limit the number of ships. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to have spaceships, you don't want to have 33,000. Right, just like the Expanse. I think it was one and another. You want to have one or two. Again, protagonist, antagonist, Mm -hmm. hero, villain. Wrath of Khan, two ships. You might have a third Mm -hmm. if somebody has a wingman or Mm -hmm. there's some kind of flanking maneuver. But two or three would be about the limit. Mm. Okay, Just like you would have characters in a room. Anything beyond that, and you have extras in the background, mm-hmm. right? So limit the number of characters or the limit the number of ships. Uh, make the goal simple. You don't want to save the entire universe in one gun battle. Even if it's the final scene, really it's just the hero defeating the villain. It's not the hero saving the entire Universe. Well, it could be in addition to that. <laughs> that will be interpreted, yes. Yes. but really it's just a one-on-one life and death confrontation, mm-hmm. which could have taken place at the OK Corral. <laughs> it could be a gunfight. Right. You know, in this case, it's just, you know, two spaceships and two, instead of two gunfighters. So keep the, the goal simple mm-hmm. and the battle simple. Uh, use tension and suspense far beyond using explosives and pyrotechnics. Now, the suspense is, you know, tension is one thing that we always go for, but the suspense, you know, even the breadcrumbing that might lead up to it and mm-hmm. stuff like a double a double whammy there, though that's the kind of stuff that really, really works uh, to making the tension build and also just the surprise of the, the suspense of what's going to happen next. Well, like Hunt for Red October... Really, that is a slow-mo cat-and-mouse movie. Right. You know, as they chase and try to find this elusive submarine that's slipping away and seems to be in one place but then isn't, which means it must be somewhere else. Close by. You know, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Close but no cigar. Close but no submarine. Right. So, yeah. And then, you know, and then the confrontation is at the end. So don't start your scene out with, you know, bullets flying. There needs to be a reason. They're pursuing somebody. Mm -hmm. They're both slowly maneuvering into position. One party sees the other, and they're going to sneak up behind. So let that go in slow-mo for a while. And 
my thinking in the, in the expanse is when they came up from behind and got the other ship. That was really, really clever, and that was suspenseful. And that's happened in a lot of fighter plane movies mm-hmm. where you go, where is the... the, the where is well, the, Maverick, right? The, yeah. yeah. Top where, Gun Maverick. Where is the adversary, and then there he is right behind you. Yeah, yeah. So use that. Use the maneuvering, just kind of a like a slow-motion tango, if you will, and then you can have the confrontation at the end. Mm-hmm. Then it'll mean something to the audience. So use tension and suspense far more than you, you know, pull the trigger on your special effects. You know, build to the battle, and that was the fourth point, actually have the battle or the confrontation occur at the end. And then he has a number of little tips, uh, which are good. Show the people inside the ships. Absolutely, because you want to see the damage. I mean, the damage to the ship is one thing. And in a lot of these sci-fis, you don't even see the damage to the ships, right? And then all the miraculously, they're like flying and there's no damage to the ship at all. But if you see inside where there's fire, there's explosion, people are getting hurt, right? Mm-hmm. Show the inside as well as the outside of mm-hmm. the spaceships so we know what the human damage that's occurring. And I think he also mentioned, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he mentioned the impact on the humans inside the ship. Not only just spilling things, but actually injury or confusion or they're uh, they're fearful. That kind of those emotions need to be captured. Well, the main character should be affected. And you probably should have something happen to the main characters. Mm -hmm. So they're a little bruised and bloody after the battle. It's not like they're just standing where they stood before the battle began. Yes. So show the real damage that occurs inside the ship. He also, to do this, you can, um, and you can write this into your script, and if you're making the movie, you can shoot this yourself, but use dramatic camera angles. Mm. You know, we just don't want to do a, you know, a mid-frontal. You know, we want to look at, you know, everything coming up from behind, like mm-hmm. you said, coming mm-hmm. up from underneath, on top, mm. you know, the, the spaceship slash submarine stalking its prey behind the murk and the mist. You know, show us different angles of this stuff. Yeah, all that builds tension and suspense, sure. And this is out of the ordinary. So you're not shooting this the same way you'd shoot a living room scene in a sitcom. Not at all. So you want different Mm -hmm. camera angles to, to reflect that. But the last thing I got out of this, and this is kind of the main point, is that your battle scenes are really just like any other scene. Mm -hmm. You know, they have a setup, they have a problem or a challenge, and then they have some surprising resolution. Confrontations, human confrontations, are very much the same wherever they are. Well, there you go. That is sci-fi, space battles with Raul Sandal, and we're becoming quite the experts on this. Oh, my goodness. So, listen, we will have final thoughts coming up, so stay tuned. You are listening to the Screenwriter Studio on KNSJ, San Diego's only social justice network, firmly grounded on terra <laughs> Thank you.
Welcome back to the San Diego Screenwriter Studio. We're just about to close the studio door. So, final thoughts, Raul Sandalin. Well, bringing this full circle, uh, at the beginning of the episode, you were talking about starting your new sci-fi script and how you were, you know, sort of venturing out of your comfort zone. Absolutely. Yeah, and I, you know, I don't envy you a bit. I've tried a few new genres, and usually I end up quitting them halfway through. So it is a really big step. But I think there is sort of a a sort of a main point to what we've been talking about, and that is even when you venture into sci-fi or westerns or again Ben Hur period pieces, basically what you're doing as you venture out is you're also coming back in, mm-hmm. and all of these you know space battles, gunfights at OK Corral, you know, sword fights in the times of the Roman legions. All of these are about our own struggles, problems, confrontations in real life. So as you're scripting these and putting them together, they're going to take these same patterns that the confrontations and characters and things do in real life. Absolutely. I think you're spot on on that because it all comes back to the hero's journey, right? Yeah, it's the universal human hero's journey, whether it's in a dentist's office or a million miles away. It's really just the same thing, uh, working with very human, real characters. Right. And coming up, I just want to give a shout out. It is the 2023 Blue Water Film Festival. Like this one. Yeah. Takes place June 8th through the 11th at various locations. There's one June 9th, and that is the showing at the uh, La Paloma Theater in Encinitas on 471 South Coast Highway. But throughout the county, there'll be celebrations of the United Nations World Ocean Day. So you can get more information on that. Just Google the Blue Water Film Festival in San Diego, uh, BWFF. So that's it. That's all we've got for today. Yeah, I think we're done. I think we're done. So we're going to blast off here, no pun intended, but we are off to space. So see you next week, everybody. And sit tight and right. Oh, thank you.